0: Welcome to the Organic Wine Podcast. Hello, this is Adam Huss coming to you from Los Angeles. Thanks for listening. Steve Salen is the proprietor of South Hill Cidery in Ithaca, New York, where he farms apples organically and makes beautiful cider and music. Wendy and I stumbled upon South Hill Cider on a recent visit to the Finger Lakes region. And I was just so impressed by the quality of the assiders that I returned uh, just a couple days later to get a chance to chat with that person who was responsible. And after a brief five-minute conversation with Steve, I knew I wanted to interview him. And I think you'll see why. As I was getting to know Steve via this interview, I was delightfully surprised by the many unexpected and fascinating turns that this conversation took. It's always strange and special experience to find that someone far away living a different life is thinking about many of the same ideas that you're contemplating. One of the topics that we cover is how local is as important as organic when looking at the big picture of our ecological footprint. This idea has been vital to my current decision making about my winery, Centralis. In 2021, we decided to move our winery production and the vineyards we source grapes from closer to our home in Los Angeles in order to reduce our carbon footprint and support local growers. The problem? los angeles county has no certified organic or biodynamic vineyards and yet i've become convinced that the most direct way to make positive change happen in agriculture is to work in my local community with farms that need to change not by driving for three or four hours to support someone who's already doing good work without relationships how can we expect to have real conversations with each other without first listening how can we expect to be heard yes This presents some immediate compromises to my values, but I think it is the long-term way to have the greatest positive impact. At this point in American history, I I think one of the most important things we can do is cultivate friendships with people with whom we disagree. And that definitely is playing into my thinking about winemaking this year. If you want to learn more about our decision-making priorities and the new vineyards and new fruits that centralis will be working with in 2021 please subscribe to our email list at centraliswine.com that's c-e-n-t-r-a-l-a-s wine.com we'll be sending out emails and doing some blog posts about some really exciting new developments as a consumer one of the best things you can still do is buy organic foods and beverages at your local grocery store, but don't forget to drop some cash at your local farmer's markets too. And now I'm thrilled to introduce you to Steve Salen and South Hill Cider. Enjoy. Cool, Steve, thanks. Welcome to the podcast. I really appreciate you doing this and having this conversation.
1: Yeah, thanks for the invite.
0: And can you tell us where you are and and a little bit about what you're doing right now?
1: Uh, so, yeah, right now I am uh, in Ithaca, New York, and and uh, where I'm sitting right now was uh, traditionally Goyonkono land. They were the inhabitants that lived here for hundreds or thousands of years until um, they were pushed out by our European ancestors. And this land was never ceded, um, so um, officially it still should be their land, um, but... Right now, where we are, it's in uh, the the county of Tompkins County in New York, and it's four miles south of downtown Ithaca, and Ithaca is uh, at the south end of Cayuga Lake, which is one of the Finger Lakes.
0: And you just said Cayuga, which is the way I would think to pronounce it. Are you not from around there?
1: Um, I grew up about two and a half hours west of here.
0: Um, <laughs> I say that because so... I was just, I was just. They're kind of joking because everyone when I was there was saying Cuga, like Kyuga. without the yeah, Cuga. Ah, that's yeah.
1: interesting. Yeah, no, I, most of the people <laughs> that I talk to around here call it Cayuga, possibly oh. to differentiate it from Cucca, which there is a Cucca lake K E U K A. That's no, this the is west. definitely
0: this, this is definitely people who are saying Kyuga with Kyuga. and they were talking about that lake. So anyway, f- oh. a funny now thing. Go, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, oh, cool. And when, what is, it's funny, I just, I, I just did a podcast about really going back to seeing the land through the perspective of the people whose land it was originally, you know, who actually like lived in, uh, in a way that their culture of the land was invisible to the people that showed up to the Europeans. And I, I'm wondering, you know, are you, do you, how much do you know about the way that uh, I, I can't even remember the name of the people who were in that specific part of the world that you just said?
1: Yeah. Goen and um, the Goen I mean, how, yeah, I mean, another word is Cayuga. That's the modern day name for them. But Goen Kono ah. is what they called themselves.
0: Yeah. It. I, I, how much are you aware of, how they used that land and, and, uh, you know, techniques of agriculture, you know, what what they were doing and that kind of stuff.
1: Right, Uh, from what I've learned, it it was pretty similar that, you know, this whole region like south of the Adirondacks, the Adirondacks is very different because it was harder to perform agriculture up there. But this agriculture was, um, you know, it was was a mix of hunter-gatherer and agriculture. They did grow corn, they grew squash and beans together, um, and they would clear land in small plots and mm-hmm. sometimes used fire to to clear it, which would then create open spaces where you could grow agricultural crops. And the soils were incredibly healthy because the forests that were there had you know these nutrient cycles with fungi. It's like just, you know, forest soils around here are some of the Probably most imbalanced soils because that's sort of the climax um, eco you know ecosystem. So so they would they would clear forests yes. in in relatively small patches enough to get light in to grow on them. I don't know how many years they would use those you know those patches and then they would travel somewhere else and do that again. Um, I have no idea how long they spent in one place. They spent long enough that they would actually build significant homes. It wasn't, you know, they weren't nomadic or anything. They were were fairly settled. So, you know, maybe... Yeah, and if you're
0: settled up there, I mean, you have to deal with some pretty brutal extremes in weather at certain times of the year, I imagine.
1: Oh, yeah. It gets um, well below freezing for three months of the year four months of the year yeah so yeah winters can get pretty cold you can have several feet of snow um some of the temperatures can reach negative 20 fahrenheit sometimes uh typical low is probably a little below zero fahrenheit um yeah so winters can get
0: cold yeah um this is Kind of an out out there question, but how how does it how how do you personally reconcile knowing this history, knowing that you're you're living on land, you know, you, assumingly you're farming and uh, you know making cider and and doing what you do on on land that you purchased, but that you know this thing about that you know this history of, like how how does that sit with you, and how do you think about that?
1: wow that's that's a deep question yeah it is yeah it, yeah i mean the the other feelings run very deep um it's difficult um because you know f- for one there are, we, we would you know try and support the people that live here as much as possible that are descendants of them um most of them if not all of them have moved back they actually got removed very forcibly for you know several times Mm. and some have you know moved back from as far away as oklahoma and um you know other places farther south and at times we've done fundraising for them um they've had several you know several um Times where they've trying, they're trying to raise money to keep the land that they have been given. At times, people have—I um, don't know—I think it was donated to them originally, and but it's not recognized as a reservation. It's really complicated because there are two factions of them mm. that are not in agreement with each other, and some of them that are recognized that actually have reservation land don't mm. support some of the other people that have property that was. Traditionally, their ancestors' land, but now they actually have to pay tax on it because it's not uh. recognized as reservation. So recently, there was a fundraiser to raise money to help pay the taxes so that could actually keep this land. Um, uh. And so we've supported them by, you know, we actually did an online concert during during um, the pandemic last last year. Um, raised quite a bit of money for them. It was. Um, one of the ways that we helped, we've donated money. Um, we actually have a cider that we harvest wild apples from the what is now called the Finger Lakes National Forest. And there's thousands of wild apple trees up there that a bunch of cider producers actually um, use. There's plenty to go around. There's a lot of them up there. And so I've been donating money, proceeds from the ciders that use those apples to some of them. One is called Friends of Gnandigan. Um there's a, I think it's a state historic site that has traditional longhouses and and they um, have it's you know it's a cultural cultural center and there's a Friends of Ganondagan which is not part of the state but it it does more of the I think the cultural programming they had a um, something where they were trying to you know keep native seeds going and you know, try and mm. keep that involved in the culture. And so we've, you know, so at this point, it's been donating money to them, raising money for some of the other, um, the traditional Cayuga. And um, we've participated in some walks of solidarity. At times there have been, you know, protest walks um, that mm. we've participated in. Um yeah, right well, now it, those but... are those are the. Ex- I, I'm always trying to think of you know I'm pausing because I'm trying to think of more ways and better ways to support them because I do you know I feel that it's really important that we you know that we don't forget the past and that we you know help them as much as possible.
0: And yeah, it sounds like almost a a kind of reparations that you can take on personally to assist with. Is that is that a fair way to put that? Hmm. Um, I don't know if there is reparations for that kind of thing. I don't know if, you know, but um, yeah, I mean, when I asked you, I, I really was not expecting you to, to have been so actively involved in taking action to do these kind of things. I was just more, you know, asking a question of how you, what your thoughts and feelings were about it. But that's really amazing to hear that there are these things that you can do and that you are doing. Um
1: yeah, I, it, I know it's a drop in the bucket, and and I also want to acknowledge there's other cider makers around here who are also, um, you know, kind of walking that that path as well. Um, and, you know, I really respect all the work that everybody's doing around here, um, in that direction. Yeah, that, Yeah, whether it's related to, I mean, cider or you know, any anybody's daily life.
0: Yeah, it, and it. It sounds like um well it sounds like there's a lot of awareness of it. I mean I, I if I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken if you head west through that part of New York, you get to a place where the the road signs along the interstate are are in the the native language as well as in English. Is that correct? Does that ring a bell for you?
1: Yeah, there are well there are a lot of place names that are um, you know native names and and yeah maybe on the southern tier um yeah i i don't i don't know if they're just place names or if there are are actually there probably are on the reservations down in the southern tier maybe road names or road signs in the native language yeah
0: you don't get out much is what you're saying
1: i don't get out that way yeah that's <laughs> I mean yeah not not too much.
0: <laughs> um and, and I mean just steering this to apples. Apples arrived with Europeans if I'm not mistaken, right? Apples and pears or were they here?
1: What we think of as apples and pears did, yeah. The um okay. the genus that they that apples fall into is Malus, M-A-L-U-S. And there were native Malus species to North America. Okay. But they are um they're very tiny crab apples they're not even I don't think uh, cherry size, and I personally don't know if I've ever seen one around here. I mean, I don't think I have uh, it's I funny think they're I, more common farther south
0: okay I, I, well, some of the woods that I was hiking around uh, some of the forest edge that I was hiking around in, in up in that area but a little further south than you is I did see these little things that the leaves looked like apple trees and you know everything about it the sort of shape of it the fact that it was sort of at the edge of things but then the the fruit were these little you know they sort of were like a a little spray of these tiny like smaller than cherry like things that you're just talking about and i'm now curious if that's what you're talking about um
1: it could be there there are a lot of hawthorn around here
0: uh maybe that's what it was that. Okay.
1: that um, can resemble apples, and I see, and they can range yeah. from the size of a pea to the size of a cherry.
0: Right, and hawthorn are pretty complex to have one name hawthorn. Right, there's like a bazillion different right. little yeah, tweaks of, of them. Right, yeah. <laughs> like sort of yeah. like apples. If you're trying to break them down, you know, just call all these things apples. That are yeah, for sure. You know, every seed is a different thing, um, basically. Yeah, every um, seed is unique. Well and so how did you get into I mean so you are uh you're in charge at South Hill Cidery, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's my baby.
0: Um, <laughs> it's your baby. How'd you get yeah. into that?
1: Um I got into it. Um it was when I moved to Ithaca um to live here. I mean, I I'd, I'd been in the area before, but when I moved back here around 2001 I I met up with someone in particular who um, I knew him through the music world first. He was an ethnomusicologist who had recorded uh, some fiddle and banjo music from like North Carolina and Virginia border area in the late 1950s. His name was Peter Hoover. And I played mm. traditional American old time music like banjo fiddle music. And so I was listening to his recordings for years, and I was excited to meet him. So when I moved here, I I got to meet him because I was starting to play some gigs in some local wineries and bars and restaurants, and he was always there. He was always there requesting tunes and hanging out and serving us his, what he called hooch, which was <laughs> really, really fine brandy that he would make from not just apples, but also cherries, pears, and quints and Ooh, nice um, yeah so and then distill it stuff. he would distill it, yeah he would make cider oh, nice. and then age it for the winter and then distill it and it mm. was just great stuff and and i mean i think really the primary reason he made cider was for the for the brandies and the distillates i mean he would certainly drink plenty of the cider while it was um while it was still good <laughs> right distill a lot of it And so I got to know him through that. And then he invited me at one point to, to go on one of his, you know, excursions. He would gather a dozen or so people, friends, musicians, dancers, and have these parties where you'd uh, forage apples from wild trees, but also from abandoned trees that he located, including some like traditional peri pears that someone planted that were like you know, incredible find. And then he also planted his own orchard. And so I would just, you know, for, for a few years, tag along with them and help pick apples. And then we would all take them to a old press about 20 miles away. And I had a huge old rack and cloth press from a hundred years ago that was run off like a single stroke engine that would just go like, (laughs) and like have these like Forty foot long leather belts running everything. It's kind of, <laughs> it was really cool. So we would Did all just have press a our crank? cider together. What's that?
0: Sounds like it needed a hand crank to start it.
1: Oh yeah, probably. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there was no electric starter on there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, that's sort of what got me into making cider, and that's and amazing. just started doing that, and we're, was blown away by the quality of it. It just tasted great. And so we made yeah. a habit of it, and I started making several barrels a year. And as you a musician, were, oh, go ahead. You
0: were blown away by the quality of the cider that you started making, or that you were making it with with this mentor.
1: With yeah, right off the bat, with him, with the okay. with the cider that yeah, like because we would also gather our own apples, then just all throw them together in the press and then split it. And I know that the you know especially his apples that were coming out of his orchard. We're increasing the quality of everybody's cider because they would all get blended together, and he planted mm. a lot of bittersweet apples and heirlooms and you know just like all the right stuff. It's yeah, uh, it's, yeah. and so so the quality uh, and and that's also what made it so easy to make it part of our lifestyle was that you could make really 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 quality beverage at home because the fruit was amazing, you know just right. like. Whether it's wine, um, you know, I'm sure beer too. You need quality ingredients, but it's like really hard to make good beer at home, you know, yeah. because the level of sophistication of machinery that you need to do it is is very different. Where with cider, you just need to collect great apples, which we're just surrounded by here, and press them, and then put them in some carboys or barrels, and ferment them, and don't neglect them, but just let them hang out for the winter and then maybe rack them once or twice. And then you can make phenomenal stuff. And so we just started doing that and realized like, wow, this is really great. So we would make it year after year. And this was just as a hobby, you know, or even more as a lifestyle than a hobby because we would, we would take cases of bottles everywhere and take kegs to parties and music Mm. um, gatherings. And, and so that got to be, part of my lifestyle, not just drinking it, but like turning people onto it, you know, giving people this beverage and having them light up and be like, what is this? This is great. It's like champagne, <laughs> you know? Uh, that's, and so yeah. that that's, it was just a natural progression, you know, that I did that for like 10 years before ever yeah. thinking about doing it commercially.
0: Yep. That sounds uh, very familiar with <laughs> my journey with wine. I love that. And uh, even I've—I mean, my experience with cider is really similar in New York with tasting stuff and just being like, "This is like champagne. This is incredible!" Like, I—I I was blown away at the quality. Um, I love that. So, did now what happened to Peter Hoover?
1: Peter Hoover passed away a few years ago. I don't know how old he was. Um, he was in his eighties, <clears throat> I think. Um, and where
0: do you think his knowledge about? the apples came from
1: he knew a lot of stuff about a lot of things he was okay. that kind of person um, I, <laughs> got it i, I think he, he went to harvard at one point before he decided to just drop out and be a you know kind of a ethnomusicologist as a lifestyle rather than a career i think i don't i'm not <laughs> sure what he was studying there but he, he, he was just super smart, photographic memory. I mean literally right. he could remember days from fifty years ago and just recount wow. the the day. It was amazing. And um yeah, I really don't know. I wish I would have asked him that. Um but I know he he went to England, you know, and okay. and visited, I think he went to Temperleys. Um, okay. Is, maybe it's Burrow Hill. Um and and he definitely you know really understood cider apples you know from from like the english cider tradition and that's right. that's definitely um something that he understood like 20 years before um anybody else in the finger lakes he was just sort of like on his own doing this thing all by himself <laughs> <laughs> it was just you know really cool and then um yeah and then he would just he would give it Away to everybody who'd show up to festivals with his whole cooler full of cider and different brandies and just hand them out to people he would have little cups with them and <laughs> he, he, in fact he he was the only person to this day that's allowed like pretty much any restaurant around in the county that they would frequent. He was allowed to just bring his own homemade brandy. And get glasses from the bar and just pour it for everybody. He was just that. He was a he was a larger than life character. And I love it. Um, and I i can't even imagine what it must have been like when those restaurants changed owners. You know, like right. someone would have to approach them at some point and, and be like, actually this guy, it's okay. Like, right okay. this guy gets a like, pass this guy gets a pass he's the only one <laughs> it's like literally
0: it's like he's like the band you know he, he's got his own sort mm-hmm. of uh thing he brings his own yeah. entertainment
1: and he, it, it wouldn't be like under the table it would just be sitting right on the table right in the middle of the table and
0: that's amazing would
1: come by he'd pour them all um brandy and yeah
0: well well so they're at south hill and um you're just four miles outside of Ithaca. You are growing. You're certified organic, I believe, right?
1: I haven't done any certifications. Okay, everything but you I've are... done is by the book. Right. Um, just haven't so done the paperwork. I just haven't done the paperwork. Yeah.
0: Got it. And um. I... So how do no, you go ahead. go ahead? Sorry. No. 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 I was
1: just saying. You know, for the past couple of years, I've realized I really should do that because most of the work of of doing things organically and or biodynamically is not the paperwork, you know, like it's the work. It's the work. Like the work is 99% of the work. So I should really just like buckle down at some point and just do the paperwork. But it's just so easy to put that stuff off, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I just don't see a real need for it at this point.
0: Yeah, it's really, I mean, and you and I started talking when we met there uh, about just how, uh, you know, obviously, a lot of people have to source outside of your own cidery, especially if it's somebody like you, where uh, obviously the the, the foraged apples that you're using are just you know growing naturally, so they they're not being sprayed with anything. But if you're going to source, if you're going to expand what you're making, you you're going to be reliant on orchards that might not share your own philosophy. Mm. Um, and and I I think that led to our our discussion about how important in the scheme of if we are trying to do good by our agricultural choices how important local is uh in the in that schemata and and it's just as important if maybe not more so in certain cases than any organic certification or organic approach to farming because i mean you can be you can just stop using chemicals and then use enormous amounts of carbon and other things to ship products you know around the world and across the country and across the continent or you can use a small amount of you know sort of conventional farming and be five minutes down the road and have basically a zero carbon footprint other than that very local distribution uh, footprint and you know, which is really worse, what's doing more harm to the world? Um, you know, especially depending on what chemicals you're using, or or if you're not using chemicals, you're just using a, a some sort of potassium, you know, fertilizer, like a chemical fertilizer or something like that, Right. that yeah. disqualifies you from being organic, you know, it can right. be a very minimal thing that disqualifies you from being organic, um, mm-hmm. by the yeah, book, I mean, there, at least.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's definitely, yeah, the and and being as local as possible is also r- incredibly important. I mean, the carbon is one thing, but but for me, I I, I feel like having the relationships with the growers is mm. incredibly important because I I know how they take care of their orchards, and right. and and I can actually and I have influence on how they manage the orchards as well, which is also um, really important both yeah if you don't start that
0: relationship how will change ever happen like if you don't start a friendship you know that starts it maybe as a commercial relationship but you know an exchange a trade of time you know your cash for apples or whatever but then it becomes a friendship and then it becomes like hey like we can actually talk and discuss these things and move to a better way and Mm -hmm. yeah without starting that relationship which really starts with that like hey i'm gonna buy Apples from somebody who is growing conventionally, you can't ever get to the end, uh, or or, you know, further down the road, you can't ever get further down the road. Not that there's an end, you know. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I love. That's a really great insight. Um, Yeah,
1: yeah, and and so that you know, you were talking about the carbon footprint of being local, but those relationships have a very direct ecological consequence as well, because by being able to influence the way the orchards are managed, that you're getting fruit from. You can, you know, like I've I've had several impacts, one person, they were already pulling back on using herbicides and chemicals for economic reasons as much as anything um, because um, they were selling their fruit more for processing. It didn't have to look perfect. And I just really like gave them the go ahead. I'm like, I do not care what any of this stuff looks like at all. I don't care how small it is. The smaller the better really for apples as long as they're ripe and have flavor um and so, so they were able to really you know pull back on whole whole blocks, um oh, from wow. using you know from using herbicides and then another one, they only use organic, um chicken compost fertilizer on the block of cider apples that uh, they grow for me, um and I think we may even be getting uh, wood chip mulch applied. Um, I'm helping him figure out how to get a you know a a wood chip mulcher it's one that i actually borrowed one from a nearby orchard and used it and was blown away just how i can mulch you know 400 feet of trees with just like beautiful wood chips using this you know mulcher that drives behind my tractor and so you know i'm working with with him on getting this which then allows more carbon to sink into the soil which feeds the fungi and you know it'll increase the health of the soil and it'll also pull carbon out of the atmosphere at the same time it's like Mm. it's a win-win you know all around and so that's something I'm really excited about working you know working with some growers like that especially because you know I have right now I have about seven acres of trees there's about two thousand trees in seven acres and you know that's that's tiny in the big picture I mean for me it's big because I didn't inherit a an orchard or a farm you know I had to convert it from a hayfield And, um, but working with an orchard like that, I, you know, the impacts I have, even if it's not totally organic, by starting to manage this soil organically with organic manure and and wood chips that will decay and all that, you know, it's having a, you know, a a good size impact.
0: On your seven acres or the the other one that you're talking about?
1: I'm already doing that, yeah, on my seven acres, but then even the, you know, the, these 10 acres I'm talking about that's grown for me. Got it. Yeah. That's now just using, yeah, organic chicken manure. And, um, hopefully by next year we'll be applying the, the wood chip mulch. Um, yeah,
0: that's fantastic. Yeah. So how do you grow apples organically?
1: Oh, that's, that's a good question. Um, I mean, really, (laughs) I mean, from a, from a grower's perspective i would just you know kind of revert back to like well i mean philosophically what you're trying to do is you're trying to mimic a forest Mm. you know or at least trying to mimic like the edge of a forest you know and so you want soils that are more um you know they're more driven by fungi than bacteria like you know Grassland Mm -hmm. soils and um, cereals and even hay fields are more bacterial Bacterial, in in the microbes and and forests are more fungal. And so you're you're trying to you're trying to get to more of a fungal driven soil. And so um, managing the soil is is probably the biggest, um, you know, like the biggest hurdle, but also, you know, has has like some of the biggest impacts, um, and without using any herbicides, it's also you know very functional because you have to make sure that the trees get enough water and nutrients, and that's where the the mulch comes in. Um, some people use cultivators to to keep the weeds away, but uh, we use mulch and we just spread for you know four inches, sometimes even up to six inches when we first plant trees of wood chip mulch on the soil. Mm-hmm like several feet around each tree and then you know having to maintain that going in periodically and and weeding it and then planting ground covers that are um, less competitive you know like s- lower growing grasses slower growing grasses so that when when the grasses do finally take over which once the trees are maybe four years old or so you can let the, the grass take over at least in our system where we're using semi-dwarf trees rather than dwarfs. Um, Right. And so, you know, I think if you talk to any organic apple grower, at least in the eastern U.S., the conversation is always going to start with the soil and ground cover management.
0: For the first four or five years, something like that, three to four years.
1: Yeah. And so that's really key. That takes a lot of energy, a lot of attention, um, and just commitment to it. And then, you know, and then there's also you have to get used to your location and figure out what are the real, you know, what are the pests that you really have to worry about, and then figure out how to control them, you know, and that's when the conversation turns more towards, you know, what materials are you putting on the trees? Um, Mm. And then um, that can range from materials that are, you know, combating various whether they're insects or microbes and then other materials that can actually encourage either other microbe diversity or kind of like um boost the immune response of the tree you know like there's some extracts of of plants that will like boost the immune immune response in the trees themselves Hmm. um Where I mean, what
0: resources? Yeah, Mm -hmm. sorry. Go ahead. What uh, I was just going to say: What resources do you use to to learn that? Other than you know, the land and observing, are there uh, are there reference books that you use Um, or have relied on?
1: Fortunately, I don't have to rely on books for that. I mean, I'm really fortunate that in the Finger Lakes here, I'm surrounded by a community of orchardists. Um, some of which planted organic orchards, literally five miles south of here, twenty years ago. You know, and and not, and on top of that, he was a Cornell researcher. And, you know, so um, he did I'm all really the hard fortunate. work. Yeah, really <laughs> you fortunate. can just I mean, benefit from. Yeah. Like and so, so uh,
0: what didn't work for you? Yeah. Great, I'll take. I won't yeah, do that. But, but it's also incredibly <laughs>
1: complicated because you know he's five miles away, but. I have a totally different system and, oh. and yes, but there's there's other orchardists around that are you know have orchards similar age, similar management techniques there's also there's a great meeting of apple growers in Massachusetts that is hosted by uh Michael Phillips
0: who is yeah. um
1: yeah a holistic orchard guru sure and so yep. for for years um I've been able to participate in that meeting, and and the the amount of accumulated knowledge in a circle like that is is priceless. You know, it's like you people just that planted orchards fifty years ago. There,
0: as much as it's a cider gathering, you probably want to stay as sober as possible to just download all the uh, the knowledge that you can while you're there. <laughs> I imagine. Yeah,
1: totally, and and that and that is kind of turning into somewhat of a cider gathering. When I started going. I don't know, maybe seven years ago or something. there was some cider there, but, uh, but it, it was, was more still, just,
0: just you know, apple yeah. like eating apples
1: right, yeah, exactly, but yeah. over the past few years, a lot of either cider makers who have planted orchards are are participating in that, and also some of the some of the older guys there have actually started making cider because right. they've got these killer organic orchards and not uh, all of the apples are, you know, great eating apples right. to sell. So, um, yeah, mm-hmm. so it's sort of, there is a, a little offshoot. Andy Brennan has actually started a couple uh, meetings um, as like an offshoot from that, which are more cider focused, but with the same, you know, kind of the same foundational um, intent, you know, to like share knowledge with with other, other growers and well, producers.
0: What What is that like? Is it, I mean, is it a typical conference setting like like you would expect? Or is there something unique about that? I, I'm just curious because, I mean, everything that's happening here on the West Coast with wine seems to be very conferency, you know, very like, mm-hmm. you know, you pay a fee, you know, attendees pay a fee, exhibitors mm-hmm. pay a fee, and then you have a conference. But these things somehow seem a little more, Like invite only, and then it's just a bunch of people in a big like. I imagine like a smoky lodge with lots of cider and apples and things like that. I probably Mm -hmm. totally romanticizing it, but no, that
1: that, you're not you're not far off. Um, Yeah, it is. (laughs) It it actually takes place in a tiny little cross country ski lodge in the Berkshires. Oh
0: my god! See,
1: and that that the owner built himself. You know, and. Mm. Okay, and, and it's it's very small because the format is just a circle of people oh sitting God. around, all participating in the same conversation. And that's so amazing. You you can't do that in a group larger than thirty or thirty five people. And wow. So yeah, so that's it. And and the owner cooks us breakfast in the morning and lunch, and you know, um, and so we pay for you know, the lodging and a couple meals and. Um and that's really it. Um yeah, that's amazing. It's pretty great.
0: Yeah, that's uh all right. Now I know what we need to do out here. Um, thank you for that. <laughs> that's a uh, good inspiration. So, your how how long has uh, South Hill Sidery been been in operation? Then as a as an active you know licensed and you know right. commercially yeah. active yeah. winery so, uh, cidery.
1: Yeah, about 2013 is when we, I think, you know, formed the LLC, and our first vintage was 2014. We got okay. the license in fourteen, and I and how's started it going? making cider in 2002, so it took 12 years to do that. How's it going? Okay. Um, it's going well. I mean, you know, it all depends when you ask me. Like, this year, it's just crazy, <laughs> you know? Like, right now, this is 2021. It's mid-summer, and... Um, you know the labor right. shortage that you read about in all the newspapers is like is a real thing. Um, oh boy! Okay, yeah. Like so, they,
0: for picking you know, apples, for all the work in the orchard, it's difficult. Yeah, we haven't hit They're harvest challenges.
1: yet. Um, but. It, I I guess what I'm talking about is the tasting room. You know, like we have a tasting ah, room that's gotcha. attached to our, oh right, to our um, production space. That labor and shortage, right? Yeah, and so that's where most of the employees actually work. You know, we have three employees that work in production, and then we'll we'll hire some, you know, some help for harvest. Um, but yeah, it's pretty much three, you know, three of us, um, making the cider and, um, maintaining the orchards. I mean four, I guess total, and but then out front there's you know maybe ten or ten or so people, and that's where we're oh, really wow. feeling the crunch there. Um, oh wow!
0: Is it? But I, I'm, do you rely on the colleges, Ithaca and Cornell, for a lot of that we labor? We always force? have a
1: couple. Yeah, it seems like we always have a couple students. You know, and they always, really haven't been you know, around
0: for the last year. I, I'm guessing.
1: Right. Right. So, so you're just yeah. yeah
0: you're out a of, of you're out a big percentage of a significant yeah. percentage of your workforce is just gone. Mm-hmm. That's uh yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Um but otherwise what? yeah it's going great. I mean our like the orchards are are the orchards that we planted here and the one the 10 acres of uh the cider apples are both doing great. I mean they're increasing in production doing great our orchard this year, we're, we're dealing with fire blight, which is one of the bacterial um, problems that crosses the whole country. Um, right. But in spite of that, we have the best crop, yeah, the best crop that we've ever had this year. Oh, um, wow. That's, yeah, really exciting. So the, yeah, did the
0: trees go in in that time in 2013, or did they go in, when did you get that land?
1: They went in mostly in, uh, fit, mostly in 2015. I guess that's 15. when like, the first half went, in. and then we planted like a few hundred a year each year after that.
0: Okay, um, got it.
1: Yeah, yeah. But it's so great. What, we actually just built the cidery a couple of years ago. The actual production space. Um, we were two years ago to this day. We were um, probably working on the interior of it. Before that, I would just rent space to make cider. Um,
0: ah, gotcha. Did you? School. Were you? working other jobs or was this your full-time thing
1: yeah i was working another job at that point i was um both a musician and a luthier and so i was um basically performing oil changes on violin family instruments uh, if you're <laughs> if you're someone who plays your is that what a luthier is law, a luthier is someone who builds musical wood wood instruments usually It comes from lute, which is like a very early string instrument. But anybody who builds or works on violin family instruments or guitars um, are called luthiers.
0: Got it. Okay. That's, I love that. Do you know um, the book, The Name of the Wind? No. Oh, it sounds like a very uh, Patrick Rothfuss kind of existence up there where you are that's why i ask um it's 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 a really great uh sort of sci-fi not sci-fi fantasy book i it's hard sort of a world unto itself it's 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 in it's a it's in a lot of like top 10 fantasy books of all time like there's lord of the rings of course and things like that Uh, and then uh anyway the the main character is a uh Sort of legendary loot player, at least by his own description. So.
1: Oh, nice. I'll <laughs> yeah. <out. laughs>
0: yeah, it's, I think you might really like it. Um, That's fun. Do you, I mean, what are the, what are the things that you would suggest are, are, are the keys to success at doing what you're doing? Now, with the, with wow. the cidery. Yeah.
1: That's a good question. Cra- Question. I I guess I would say um. I'm just keeping um, like keeping focused on a vision. You know of like, why are why are you doing what you are doing? You know what what really, what what is driving you to, you know, grow apples and make cider. Um. Mm. And, and keeping true to that and, you know, if that will, you know, obstacles come up, you know, like you deal with a tank of cider that just doesn't do what you think it's going to do or an orchard that has a pest that is, you know, really depressing or, um, you know, when you run into to hurdles of one kind or another, just, you know, going back to that and being like, okay, why am I doing this? Oh, yeah, Okay. Um, you know, to renew inspiration. Can you put that?
0: Can you put that why into words?
1: Um, that is a really good question. Yeah, it goes. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for me, I I guess I would probably end up talking for a whole day about it. You know, because <laughs> it one one statement would lead to another you know like what comes to mind is just part of you know like how not not even how i ended up doing this but you look back at your life at times and you see certain points where um you feel like you really knew what you wanted to do you know what i mean like when you know to you know to make a a caricature of it like you know you ask a little kid like what do you want to do oh i want to be a fireman you know um but there was a time when when I remember, you know, I had probably just, you know, I was like somewhere at the end of high school. Everybody's trying to ask you what you want to do with your life. And I decided I wanted to be an organic farmer. I didn't grow up on a farm. I didn't even know <laughs> any organic farmers, you know. But I, you know, at that point, like I was already, um, that was in Where the. Where did that you know, come
0: from? That's amazing.
1: I think it came from. You know, that was like when I was finishing up high school, that's when global warming was really like Mm. people were talking about it hard. You know, it was like the late 80s, early 90s. Okay, Yeah. And it was this like scenario that was like this might happen. You (laughs) know, it wasn't happening yet on like a scale where it was really affecting economies or, you know, whole regions, economies on like a global scale what, but it was definitely happening in in some places.
0: What was the connection then from that to organic farming?
1: Uh because at, you know modern agriculture degrades the environment so badly. And how were you aware
0: even, of this at that age?
1: Um, I don't know. I mean it's it's funny my my wife and I we we actually went to high school together. We we weren't together in high school. We never dated or anything till years afterwards. But we were both voted most liberal, you know, at the end of the yearbook when everybody has – Oh, flaming liberals. That's what it was. You know, everybody votes for, like, one boy and one girl as, like, the flaming – And we were both voted the flaming liberals. You know, and, like, we – you know, there was an environmental club at school um, – yeah. I was just always interested in, I, I spent a lot of time outside, you know, I okay. I was in, um, yeah, I was in a group that we went camping every month of the year, except December, because I think that was just too busy for our parents to deal with, you know? And so we'd be camping out summer, spring, winter, year round. I mean, winter is, you know, so I feel like I I got You know, I I had a connection to the natural world just from spending that much time outside. And some of my family, some of my extended family were really, you know, really in tune um, with ecology and and just living close to the land and and stuff. So I think growing up, I just had a I just had, you know, some some experience that I inherited from my family that they were, you know. I mean, some of them were like old hippies, you know.
0: Okay. Um, Uh, Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say it sounds like you had some good influences. I mean, some some strong influences, Mm -hmm. and I mean the fact that you've used the word ecology in some really interesting ways multiple times already while we've been talking is is I I think is fantastic. I, I I think this word is like something that is in vogue in a way like that is coming into the consciousness of everybody right now and you are using it well where where does your use of ecology come from what do you when you use that where where is that coming from what are your what are your thoughts about that
1: um yeah i mean ecology i i think even the definition of it is like is like you know the structure and function of of things um of the environment of you know yeah of organisms um and i think i just i just like relationships always, to each other to a, yeah to relationships all things. to each other yeah you know and how they're structured and how they work together and that's you know that's just how i look at everything and that's um yeah i mean that i i have a i i do have a You know a graduate degree in forest ecology
0: oh well there you you go (laughs) yeah i mean that's you know
1: part of it but that also going back to the original you know question about um you know why i do it and i was going back to that time when i was like 18 and wanted to be an organic farmer but then i got sidetracked you know various things happened in my life where i just felt like i had to do something else and you know i did something else for a while and um, and then I ended up in school um, studying various things, you know, natural resources and forest biology and forest ecology. And at every step along the way, I was trying to figure out how do I work in this world, but like with my hands in the dirt, you know, mm. like that's really <clears throat> what I want to be doing. And that's why now looking back at it, I realized like, oh, back when I was 18, I knew I wanted to like do, you know, deal with ecology but have my hands in the dirt and you know you know 20 years later I am an organic farmer and I can have my hands in the dirt of trees I'm also yeah of trees and I'm also dealing with ecology because it's not just the ecology of the orchard but you know like the microbes themselves in the cider is also there's ecology there it's like very complex Mm. ecology yeah, and so and it's it's, um,
0: it's equally fungal, right?
1: Hmm.
0: I yeah, that's fantastic. I I um, it's funny. I, I I don't know if you know Mimi Castile, but she started out in forestry, and then you know her family was in wine, and and it, it seems like there's some really interesting parallels there to the forest, and then how we end up in uh you know, you know or that might lead us through these fermented beverages somehow, you know, that come from the forest edge in a way. Um I, I I've been reading a lot about agroforestry. Are you do you see yourself as practicing agroforestry? I mean, do apple trees no. count as agroforestry?
1: They could. They could, but I feel like, you know, what I'm doing, even even though it is a polyculture of, you know, all kinds of, you know, native wildflowers slash weeds. Um, you know, and we, we even the way we mow, we leave strips that are totally un uncut for for months so that they flower and can feed pollinators and, you know, right. bring up more nutrients from deeper in the soil and, and stuff. Um but it's not, you know I mean agroforestry incorporates animals usually in a way that's a lot more a lot more direct and Um, Mm. and functional in the system um that that's always been one of my you know one of my long-term goals is to have have a block of trees that is traditional you know agroforestry you know whatever that is but you incorporate much larger trees and you have like some ruminants underneath
0: Mm -hmm. and and maybe some little some fowl or something like that running around some yeah. sheep and some chickens and that yeah, kind of thing. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and
1: you know, I've tried like we've had sheep, we've put them in the orchard, we've had pigs, we've had them out here but getting everything in line, you know, it's just any any farming operation is um when you're trying to do a couple different things, it's all about having those gears aligned Just right, you know. You've got Mm. the trees and you've got the animals, and and you you can integrate them, but they both have to be just, you know, kind of on the right trajectory and at the right point. And it's the same with the animals. And um, we hadn't we haven't hit that yet. Um, Mm. Some of the trees are getting old enough now that I it it is it's time to do it again because Mm. originally the trees were only a couple years, you know, like one or two years old, and. The animals were just way too destructive. Um, right, right. But at this point, you know, some of the trees are five, six inches in diameter and they could withstand some pushing and rubbing and nibbling and right. stuff like that. <laughs> yeah.
0: It Sounds sounds almost sexual, pushing and rubbing and nibbling. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Always, <laughs> well, <I guess>. well <laughs> reproductive at the very least. Um <laughs> uh well how can people find out more about you and your cider and south hill cidery like what can they where where should they go and how can they yeah, get your cider say, taste um, I mean, taste all you know, of this
1: google it you, we're, we're on instagram <laughs> um you can find us that way um on the web just look up south hill cider we do a lot of direct shipping you know a lot of small producers these days It's it's great how easy it is to get quality yeah. stuff directly from them um yeah. and so yeah we ship we ship a lot to california we there's 40 states we ship to um right yeah and i'd say you know scope it out we have a blog on our website that we update every now and then like every day i swear for the past two months i keep thinking like i should really write something. I should really post something, but I've been too busy. So I promise you <laughs> at to- certain times of the year stuff shows up fairly regularly and other times <laughs> it doesn't. But you know, yeah, just check it out on there. So and, um and it's it's very it's, small. Like if you're interested in this, just send me an email and I'll get back to you. Like it's, you know,
0: right really South, South, Hill South Hillsider.com. Southhillsider.com or and at South Hillsider for your at your Instagram. Handle, yeah. Um, great. Any closing remarks, parting shots, anything people should know about what you're doing or about your ciders? We haven't really even talked about the actual ciders,
1: right? Right. All the things yeah. that
0: are around them. Any, um, tell us a little bit. Just give us a little tease of some of the your the the ciders that you make that are delicious. Yeah. I was sure. very. I mean, part of my experience with tasting your ciders is why I wanted to talk to you as well. It's because they were so, so wonderful. So please, I, I will <laughs> tell us about them.
1: Yeah, thanks. Um, I would say, you know, for everybody, they probably heard it before, but cider is just wine made out of apples. Yep. You know, that, that's what we make. And, and our ciders range from bone dry and still to sparkling, off dry, um, semi dry. And, um, you know, we just really are are trying to help the fruit itself express itself, you know, and so some varieties want to be a still cider, some varieties want to be a sparkling cider, and some can go both ways. Um, and so, so that's a lot of what we're doing is, you know, bottling ciders that you, you can see what varieties are in them and you can learn exactly how they were made and um and so yeah it's it's just like grapes but but they happen to be apples some are very organic <laughs> and low acid some are have tons of acid and they, you know express themselves differently so yeah um i mean there's at least a dozen different ciders probably available on our website and we usually try and describe what's in them and how they were made and and also, what to eat with them? It's incredibly important Ooh. because ciders go really great with so many different kinds of food.
0: Um, mm. Yeah, because any 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 good suggestions to to send us off with?
1: Yeah, it's really great. <laughs> A lot of ciders go incredibly well with some curries, Ooh, you know, like spicy yeah. foods, especially sure. even if they're you know really hot, spicy curries.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, of course. Can be
1: really phenomenal with, and also, I mean, it's cliche to talk about cheese because like cheese and wine is such <sighs> kind of a cliche thing, but honestly, so many cheeses are even better with cider. Yeah, for one reason or another. Um, yep, I would definitely, if you if you like cheese, get a handful of dry ciders, and yep. and try them with the cheeses because they are, you know, just phenomenal with with tons of dishes. Yeah, and cheese. a
0: really good mustard. I would I would also add in that as well. Like I don't know what it is, but something like if you I I don't know. Mm-hmm. I've made a whole meal out of just like a good cheese, good mustard and a good cider.
1: Oh, nice. Also pork.
0: Yeah. I mean, pork oh, is like yeah.
1: You know any any way that you cook pork? <laughs> That's true. Try it with some cider. And and if, you know, and if you have yeah. any ciders kicking around that you're not finishing, braise pork in that cider, with it it's just it's um yeah
0: such a it's good idea yeah a no-brainer i mean what i love about cider is you can you can just pop a bottle with lunch like it's a great lunch drink lower alcohol go pairs well with like you know like a sandwich and and yep. sort of feels just like the right amount of everything if you do it yeah
1: yeah, yeah. half a glass of cider with lunch and half, it makes oh you i was thinking so much better okay i mean Good. you can have a i was thinking a half glass, a bottle but
0: hey
1: <laughs> half a bottle but no i i'm saying like you know literally like if you have a half a glass of cider with lunch like it y- y- it makes your lunch so much better but Yeah, it does not like you don't feel like you were drinking anything you know in terms right. of alcohol which yep. you know, maybe you do want to get you know half lit um
0: <laughs> it depends the day. on what so you're doing after lunch drink yeah. a whole
1: bottle with lunch then you know <laughs> Um, but yeah, yes, a little bit of cider with lunches is, is great. We do that. I don't know, almost every day here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. So great well, with
1: pastrami, like, I guarantee that. We just uh, did pastrami sandwiches and had cider. Um, had cider. Yes, yeah, so many things. Yeah, Mimolette I mean, actually. mimolette is a it's a French cheese, really hard rind. Um, yeah, slightly funky take a mimolette. this is something that Rachel our our chef and like she's a total cheese pro blew all our minds yesterday with okay um she saved all the rinds for the past like several months and just boiled oh, it down for hours and used that as a ramen broth
0: wait mimolette boiled in in cider in or boiled no, in water. water okay just okay. in water um, okay
1: just boil that in water for hours and that was the entire broth. There was nothing else added to water it. Water um, and
0: mimillette rinds.
1: Water and mimillette rinds, and then uh, she finished it with some some miso and sweet corn, um, some some little tiny mushrooms. Um, but that with a bittersweet like um sort of an off dry bittersweet cider, totally mind blowing. So. <sighs> I mean, we have one that's called string theory. That's the um the bittersweet, you know. Actually that one's more semi dry bittersweet um cider. But that with the Mimolette broth is just unbelievable. So if you're really looking for something different and and fun, there you go. That's the recipe.
0: Ooh. Yes, that sounds incredible. That sounds uh Michelin star delicious. Um, great, yeah. <laughs> that sounds incredible. I even
1: took a picture of it. It was so good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're not one to take pictures of food on the regular. No,
1: no, not all the yeah, time. Not either. on the regular, but
0: <laughs> that's not my thing either. Want, that one I had to. Nice. I love that. Mm. Okay. Great. Well thank you that's fantastic steve thank you so much for all of this this has been honestly like a really delightful conversation just talking with you about things that i didn't even expect to talk about because i didn't know you and it's just been great to get to know you thank you so much for this time and i know you need to check a pump
1: yeah thank you so much for uh for the invite and for swinging by um let me know when you're coming again i'd like to hang out and drink some
0: cider and wine definitely